0: This is the second week of living with no regrets. And the key is, as we're we're really looking at this, learning to live with no regrets, and Rory's song fits that perfectly. And as we begin to understand that, that's where the freedom, that's where the power of God comes in. Actually, I think we've had 34 salvations in the last two weeks. 34 instead of 32. Come on, man, that's 34 people. That's moved beyond their regrets, moved into the presence and into the power of God. Now, when we look at the word in in the Webster's, you know, just just the word regret, it just simply means sorrow aroused by circumstances that are beyond your control. Sorrowful emotions. Always living in sorrow. Always living under condemnation. Always living with, what do we say? Regret. Regret, wishing that something had never happened or something we had never ever done. So what I want to talk to you today and what I want you to know is how do we get free from regret? Now Pastor Mark, he had he opened the series, had a great job last week. Always great when you have ten salvations for sure. And and did a great job, and and he began to tell us that those big obstacles that we face to get rid of uh, regret is really guilt, shame, and condemnation. Guilt, shame, and condemnation. And once we learn to walk beyond guilt, shame, and condemnation, that's when we can truly walk in the freedom of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. Now, let me kind of change things up for you for just a moment and say this. What would the world say you are if you're a born-again believer? You are a what? Yeah, that's what most people here say. What do we normally say? We are a Christian. But we treat, treat the word Christian like an adjective or a verb rather than a noun. It's We teach us something that describes something or something that, Tells some action, something that something does. But the word Christian, the root comes from Christos, and it and, and, and it is talking about the Messiah. It's talking about the Savior of the Lord. It's talking about Christ. Christos is where we get the word Christ. So really what it's talking about is we are when we are born again. The Bible says you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away, and all things become new. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that that He is the first. In Colossians, He is the firstborn of. God. But each one of us, now when we are born again, we don't just become an adjective or a verb. We become not something we do or didn't do or might do. We become a noun. We become a child. We become a son. We become an heir. So, so you got to stop looking at yourself as, well, you know, this is based on what I have done or hadn't. Once you give your life to Jesus, you're blood-bought, living under the blood of Jesus Christ and, and seeking his face and seeking his ways. You know, yeah, we evaluate what we've done, good or bad, but we don't let that determine our identity. You see, my youngest, Pierce, just turned 18 yesterday, 18. And, and you know, when when I look at him, Whatever he does or does not do does not determine if he's my son. I, I, I could take the name or title Dalton away from him, but it wouldn't change his DNA, Tony. It wouldn't change the fact that he is begotten of me and of staff, that he is born of our flesh and born of our blood and born of our DNA. He, he's not an it or that or a do. He's a son and an heir. So so you and I as Christians, as children of God, we are sons and daughters of God. We are heirs. We are nouns. We are his. And therefore, we're to live on this planet and to operate in that God-given authority and God-given right. And if we're going to operate in that, there's no way we can function in a healthy way or a proper way if we're living in guilt and we're living in shame and we're living in the place of self-pity and we're living under condemnation. I mean, when I think about what the word says, this in Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're born again in Christ, that means there's no condemning or judging. You see, and that's one of the things that I look at and I want to talk to you about today. A couple of the real key things, that, that two more key things that, that are going to help you walk beyond living in a life of regret. And, and, and as we get into them, the first one I want to talk to you about is, is expectations and judgments. By other people, expectations and judgment by others. Now I I know a little bit about that. Being a pastor, we planned this church 19 years ago, 19 and a half actually, and 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 I was in full time ministry on staff for nine years prior to that in a church of over 10,000 a week. So, and ran the local church right under Pastor Rod. Did a lot of things there, And, and so 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 I know a few things about ministry. And I've seen a few things, and what I want you to realize is, over the years, I'd gotten to a place we'd been in this building a few years, couple years, few years, I guess, and man, I just, I just started getting just living in regret like did I miss something the economy crashed and finances were so tight and it's like man did I miss something God or should I've made this decision or that decision and my mother passed away and other things happened and there were some staff betrayals and different things and man I just over about a two-year period I just found myself in a state of depression and I'm not a kind of person that's depressed depressed personality or anything like that. I've never even dealt with that kind of emotion. And now I found myself in that place. And it it took a season and a time for Pastor Steph to identify it in me and and, and so on. And then we started looking at it. And I've realized I really was. And, And I went away to a place where pastors go for a week and got some tools and was just set free there. But you can't get set free of something if you don't know you're bound by it. I told you you're not ready for me. Just let your neighbor and say you ain't ready for pastor. I just tell you. Just tell them I ask you to do it. Say you ain't ready for pastor. So, so that's what regrets all about. Regrets all about when we come to that place where we expected our something different of ourselves, or someone else expects something different of us, and their opinion means more than God's opinion. and we find ourselves living in a place of judgment a place of of expectations we can't reach and that we can't achieve that we can't be the kind of people pleasers where we please everyone you know i had to come to a place in myself even though i was very confident in different things over time when we focus on certain things what happens Remember I gave you an illustration a few months ago or a couple months ago about a race car driver and one of the first things they learned like in the Indy cars that go so fast is they learned that you do not, when you're in a spin and you're out of control going 200 plus miles per hour or any high rate of speed, the thing that they had to learn, the first thing they had to learn is what? They could not look where they don't want to go. For instance, if they kept spinning and say, I got to miss that wall, I got to miss that wall, they hit the wall. What they had to do is keep their attention focused on where they wanted to go. Even though they're spinning around, they kept bringing their eyes line toward the road and staying on the road. And they said that when they would do that, the majority of the time, they never hit the wall. What They say the car will go where you're looking. You see, and that's the way it is in our lives. If, if we're looking back, then we're going to be Backward emotionally. We're going to live in those backward fears and hurts and wounds and sorrow or mistakes or, you know, we're going to live back there. That's your wall. You're going to be hitting the wall all the time. You'll have a little bit of advancement and look back and boom, you're going to hit the wall. You're going to take a few more steps and things are looking up, boom, you're going to hit the wall. It can be a, a wall of relationship, business family, children, even, even ministry, even, even the calling and the destiny on your life. And it's so easy to hit the wall, but I can't hit the wall if I don't look back. There are no limits. There are no limitations in Christ. And therefore, if I keep my eye on him and on eternity and on the purpose and the reason that I'm on this earth is not for you or me, but it's for him. And out of that, it blesses me and it blesses you just like you're here for him and it blesses you and it blesses others. Why? Because We are here to contribute. We are here to give. We are here to release the DNA of Christ that's in us, that's uniquely in each one of us. Each one of us have a purpose. Each one of us have a voice. God has a plan for each one of our lives. And it's up to you and I to determine where we're looking because you will end up wherever you're looking. See, see if you you looking at that girl at work all the time that's where you're going to end up you look at that hot dude at the office that, that, that's where you're going to end up oh you you looking at that thing you just can't give up and every time you see it you just want to get stoned high drunk well, well, then guess what then that, that that's where you'll be you you, you, you you just keep looking at that shiny new thing you can't afford, you know you can't afford, you'll get it, and guess what? You'll be looking back because you, you'll you be living back, not looking back. You'll be back in the debt that you came out of. You will end up wherever you are looking. So if I re, isn't it interesting, regret, what's re-do? Regrets when we go back and do over what we've been through. We go back and do it over in our mind. We can get to the point we can smell the room or taste it or see it or feel it. And those emotions come on us and we call them, you know, emotions of condemnation and regret. And hey, you you, you can think about something that someone did and, and and you could have even forgiven them and been under the blood for years, but you start looking back enough at that thing before long it'll get you again. Before long you'll feel just like you were in that fight. Before long you will feel like you just got stabbed in the back right now just like you did 10 years ago you gotta have no regrets god didn't call you to be a retread yeah you ever been on the interstate and and you'll see a semi going down the road and all of a sudden a big huge you think it's a whole tire but it's just a layer of a tire which can mess your, you up right and what is it that's that's a tire that's been what retreaded and god didn't create you in the image of a retread he created you and made you brand new and strong and different and unique with a plan and with a purpose where he can get some serious miles out of your destiny. Look at how and say, I'm not no retread. I don't know about you. Devil starts saying, oh, you need to look back. Don't you feel? No, I'm not no retread. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. That means they died. The only way an old emotion, fear, or worry can get in your heart is when you loud in your mind. And let me tell you something f- your emotions are physical. Oh, yeah, let's just sit here for five minutes and close our eyes and just think about nothing but several good things, the most important things in your life that are the most valuable to you. And you just, it's worth being on this planet for those things that God's blessed me with. And all of a sudden, you're going to start feeling good then start thinking for five minutes on two or three of the most tragic things that's happened in your life and just really get in there and get into that place and guess what, you'll be. Yeah, we walk in. I mean, I evaluate people when I'm gonna get involved with them in business or ministry or whatever and if I come into someone's office and they're wanting to represent me or somewhere, and they're just like, hey, how are you? I'm better without you. I'll, I'll go somewhere else to get my services. I, I don't want some depressed professional, attorney, doctor, or anything else, rep, accountant, yeah, representing me. I, I I want someone that's alert and looking forward. I, I don't need someone that's taking the pit stops too often. I need someone looking at the finish line. I, I said, you you weren't ready for this. I'm just saying. So what is it? regret has to do with with our with expectations from others living up to that and the judgment of others and the judgment and the expectations we put on ourselves we see that uh, Pastor Mark talked to you last week about the five things that a hospice nurse out of handling hundreds of deaths that, that she discovered and the, at the top five things that was told her by the patients. And the number one thing when someone was dying was I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. But see, you can't find yourself so you find him. See, 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 see. see, you you can have a beautiful new gadget, toy, car. I mean, I, I, my son's car. I bought him a couple years ago. I, I go on that thing and I still can't. It's just like a little simple Ford Focus. It's got. It's like I had to take it back. We thought the transmission was going out, and I'm arguing now. That's under warranty, dude. That car. We don't have a two year. We'll get it. We'll get it man pulled it out it's driving like a new car didn't cost me anything you know what it was they just had to reset the computer for the transmission <laughs> come on dude see see we just need to reset our thinking and reset what we're looking at and reset what you're focused on let, let us look at this. Apostle Paul was great at that. He, he even knew who he was. He said in, in 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, man, I'm the chief of all sinners. He knew who he was. But you know what? He was great at forgetting. Did you know forgetting is a gift from God? Now, when you get mine your age, we're like, I don't know about that. I was, I was looking for five minutes for my keys before I left the house. And I put them somewhere just so I'd remember where they were. You ever hid something valuable? Like I know I'm putting this in a uh, wave at me. If you've done that, and you're tearing your house up, y'all. Uh, yeah, we all done it. But but did you know we look at it as a weakness, but God looks at it as a strength? No, it's it's scriptural. What do He say? Paul said, "I forget those things that are behind, and I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God." It's a gift to forget. The devil starts saying, well, you remember back before at that other place and that other, Jesus, says, no. No, the devil said, come on, Jeff. Now let me give you some names and addresses and let me give you some situations and, and some of them even your family, Jeff. Can you... No, can't. Why? Because if I want to live in the grace of God and the power of God, I deal with things as best I can, turn it over to God, and then I forget about it. Did, did you know there's no way a man or woman could fall in pride if they operated in the gift of forgetting? Because just as you have the power to forget the bad events that's happened to your life, you have the power to forget the great things that's happened. So therefore, you don't have to be depressed or proud. You're just focused and pressing toward the proud. What do we got to do? What do we got to do? Paul tells us, Acts chapter 9, verses 20 through 26. He teaches us we don't have anything to prove. Paul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At at once he began to preach in the synagogues that that Jesus is the son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? among those who call this name, this name of Jesus. Remember in, in Acts 8, he was putting them in jail and, and putting Christians and women and everything. and we, we, He was the one that, uh, that, that did the execution with the, the judgment and had the execution and watched the execution of Stephen. And, and, and so, you know, he was, he was a tough, horrible person because it really wasn't so much that he was bad. He just had a bad focus. See, you give yourself way too much credit when things are going good and you give yourself way too much credit when things blow up. It's not as much about you as you think. You see, Paul understood the principle because he was trained by Gamaliel the greatest of all rabbis and and so therefore and his father was a political figure uh there in Tarsus the port the sea and so he was in the Roman government he could have been a Roman politician or a rabbi or whatever but he could become a child of God now when he was doing the Roman thing and the political power and he needed to pull those strings he did and when he thought he was going to be a rabbi he was fighting anything that came against the belief that he had and and so he had already died to himself he was living for the prize. He thought that was God's plan. But when he intervened, was intervened by Jesus on Damascus Road and he met Jesus face to face, he realized what the Father's will was. And you know what he did? He forgot the awards and the wealth and the power and he accepted the high calling of Christ Jesus. He, 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 he stepped out of temporary power and temporary glory into the weight of eternal power and eternal glory. He wasn't living on earth's time. He was living on heaven's time. Oh, okay. So isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among the people who call this name and hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests people are never going to forget what you've done bad and they won't give you much credit for what you've done good unless they want to get something off you oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a credit card to get those things in the mail when you got good credit when you got bad credit you're looking for one ain't nobody looking for you and they just say, oh, you pay your payments on time. You are amazing. We got zero interest credit card for you today. They don't tell you in three months, it's gonna be 21% and then 28%. And then. They'll tell you something good to get something good from you. Sounds like the devil to me. But it says what happened, even though they said that about him, And and Paul could have ran in fear, but what did he do? Verse 22 says, yet Saul grew more and more powerful. Even those that he once tried to gain their respect and the vote of confidence so he could lead them. Even the ones that, that looked at him that now he's on their side and they're talking against him and afraid of him. It says, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And you would think, wow, it got better. I mean, he's done all this. He's been, the scales dropped from his eyes. He's baptized the Holy Spirit. He's went away and got the word and got this and he's teaching and preaching and uh, cities are coming and listening to him and you'd think, man, it got great. No, it got worse. It got worse. You know why it got worse? Because it got worse. (laughs) Anybody know good is good and bad is bad? But see, I don't have to define what good is for you and you don't have to define what good is to me because it's really only relevant to each of us what's good to us because what's good for me might not be good for you and what's good for you might not be good for me and we prove that when we go on vacations, right? Some of the family wants to do this and that's not good to you. Some of the family, you want to do that and that's not good to them and you come somewhere in the middle and you don't get anything good, really. It's just kind of you exist. (laughs) I, I know that don't happen with you, right? Sean said he don't travel. I'm going to say it out loud. I know your mama, Miss Becky, will line you. I'm going to save you a week in the doghouse because that's in your future, not your past. I'm just saying. I'm going to cover a brother's sin right there. Just bless him, Lord. So, so here's the truth. Look at this. So here's the truth. What is he doing? He's doing the right thing. Just because when we do the right thing for the right reason, and it's hard, doesn't mean we stop. You see, the word in Hebrew for destiny is derik, and darik means roadway or pathway, and it can't be a roadway or a pathway unless it has a beginning and a destination. So our destiny, that's where the word destiny comes from. It really comes from the word what? Destination. You see, in the Holy Lands, they named their major highways and roads differently than most most nations and places. Most places, you know, we name a road or a highway based on how it feels. It's a treacherous road or, or you know, it's, it's you know, big hill road or it's something to do or, you know, it makes people feel a certain way. You know, it's the speedy highway. I don't know, route, whatever. And, and we, we, we name roads and highways a lot of times based on how they feel or what we're concerned with when we're, on them but in the holy lands they didn't didn't name a road based on or a highway or a path or a road based on the way it felt or even if it was a hard road and they had to climb over rocks to get there or they had to go through thieves and bandits, they didn't name the road based on how hard the trail was, they named the road based on the place it ended up the road of Zion They would name the road based on the destination they were traveling to. So what's that teach us? It teaches us that our destiny and the road that God has on us, even if it's hard and difficult, the goal is not to have an easy trip. The goal is to reach the destination. So, there is no life without hardship. There is no life without pressure. There is no life without stress. There is a, but, but, but this thing now, I just showed you how you could take forgetting. You know, some people start forgetting, oh my God, honey, am I forgetting a lot? Well, kind of, but you're, oh, I wonder if that's the starting of dementia. Oh, God, I know, you know, this family member, uh, and it could be ooh, Alzheimer's, and oh, my God. Uh, and what happens you have the power of life and death in your tongue, and you can start speaking sickness and disease on your life instead of forgetting about it and moving forward. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about what? Expectation of other people. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about that we're walking in uh, the opinion of man. Now, in Acts 13, two verses, verses 44 and 45, it says, on the Sabbath day, the, the whole, W-H-O-L-E, city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Well, it's time to run, right? I'm getting abused. People are angry at me. You know, it's time to get out of the box, right? But look, that's not what Paul did. Paul, see, if you want to fulfill your destiny, it cannot be I should live free, Your should has to become a must live free. See, the should'ves and the could's is not going to put you walking in the joy and the peace of God. You see, if, if, if you must get to a location, Jesus knew he had a must. He must get to Jerusalem because there was his destiny where he would be crucified, but also where he would be resurrected. And the reward was not just for God and him, but for you and I. So we got to realize that we have to make a decision that our The the destiny God has for our life and the destination and the plans, they have to become a must, not a should. I, I, I should eat better. I should pray more. I should give more. I should serve more. I should. You need to kick the should out. You're full of too much should. You know what happens to a person full of a bunch of should. Get the should out and get the must in. Now, I did that to mess with you. It's okay. I'm a preacher. I'm okay. It's all right. You're a big boy. You're a big girl. You can handle that. Paul said this in Galatians 1.10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't be a Christian in the first place. I mean, I mean, who are you trying to please? What's your plan? What's your purpose? What's your destiny? You see, I have to remind myself of that from times ago. Oh, pastor, the crowd was up, crowd was down, crowd was in, crowd was out. I, I can't let that determine my happiness. I can't let that determine my calling. I can't let that determine my destination. I just got to keep what? I don't put my eye on the wall. I put it on the finish line. Hmm. Let me give you the final one here. Second thing we need to get free of is limited thinking. Limited thinking, small thinking, small thinking and limited beliefs. You see, Paul could have lived a life of regret bound with mistakes and for the people he'd hurt and imprisoned and had killed and all the stupid decisions. But just the one decision to stand and watch a man be stoned was enough to mess someone's life up forever. But you see, there was something bigger that drew Paul. There was something more that had a hold of his heart than even human suffering. He, they, they were getting ready to kill him, and he said, for me to die is the gain, go for it. You know, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord, I'm out of here, I, I, I'm ready but then, well, I got to stay around a little longer for some of you all for your faith, but I'm ready, Lord, whenever. You see, he understood there was something bigger. He understood fulfilling his destiny was more important and the future impact that was more important than the pain or the hardships he was going through. It says in Philippians thirteen, three verses 13 and 14, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself as to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, What if you just did one thing? I mean, that's easy, right? One thing. What if you practiced this week doing one thing? Not praying more, not giving more, not serving more. But right. What if you just did one thing? What if you made one thing your focus all week? Paul did, but he didn't make it just for a week. He made it his entire life. And what did he say? Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. What? Heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting, if you just practice this one thing, Forgetting. When Satan says, how much is in your bank account? Forget it. Forget what he said. Doesn't mean you don't go deal with things you need to deal with financially, but you forget. You don't allow his voice to go over. Well, well, is that what you, you know, is that what she really meant when she said that to you? You know, at work? Well, well, just forget it. Is that what they really meant when they stole from you? Just, Just forget it doesn't mean you don't deal with things, but you don't go live behind where you've been. Remember I told you, I think it was Palm Sunday and maybe Easter, but exiting is as holy as entering. I can't enter a place until I exit a place. Jesus could not enter Jerusalem until he left the town he was in before Jerusalem. Jesus could not enter the tomb until he exited the cross, until he died on the cross. Jesus could not enter to the glory of the Father and release the paracletos, the Holy Spirit. He He could not enter his glory until he exited the tomb. There's some things you need to forget about. There's some things and some faces and some attitudes and some stuff you need to forget about it. You need to stop shouldn't and get to must. You're shouldn't all over yourself. did not say a bad word. You know what? You know the reason I said that? because I'm tired of hearing everybody say I should. You know, I should do that. Yeah, you should. So now f- repent of it, forget it and do what you should you must do. It'll never be a must as long as it's a should or a could or a would. That's like the most stupid word in the dictionary. It's unbelievable. This makes me mad. Man, how was that experience when Steph had Parker and you were there, the birth. Man, it was unbelievable. I'm, I'm just forgetting that word. Well, well, how was it, man, when you were called to ministry and how was it when the first time you preached for anybody who knew you were called to ministry and you, you saw people come give their lives to Christ? It was unbelievable. How was your wedding? It was unbelievable. Now, wait a minute. How is it unbelievable? It happened. See, see, you got all this stuff in your head that's so unbelievable, but it happened, so it should be believable. I, I mean, we drink white milk out of a brown cow living in a red barn, eating green grass. grass. Dude, every time we drink milk, say, that's unbelievable. that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. You don't know how that milk would turn into what it did, and, but you believe it because now you measure. I want 1%, 2%. Ooh, I'm going whole milk today, girl. I'm going... <laughs> I'm going all in today. (laughs) You have some experience. That was unbelievable. Why? Get that out of your mindset. That's limitations. God created you in his image. Does he have limitations? We put our should on God. We put our experience. Expectancy, our level of trust. Why why, why don't we stop trying to love God and receive his love because it's all love is and ever could be. And love from that. Instead of trying to manufacture our love, why don't we just love from the love of the image we were created in? I can't enter his love until I exit my definition of love. I can't enter into the power of his spirit till I exit the feelings and my emotions that I have. Let me close. Let's look at Isaiah 66, verse one. Isaiah 66, verse one. God says, this, says heaven is my throne. And earth is my footstool. What did God say? Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. So, where is God? Heaven. Where is his throne? What does a throne represent? Power, prestige, authority. The guy in charge of everything, right? The throne, the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. Where's he at again? Right. But look at this. Heaven is my throne. What? 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 And earth is my, what's it say? Footstool. So God's in heaven in all of his glory. But where's his feet at? Where? Earth. Earth. And they're not just in earth. Where are they at? They're on a footstool. God said, I sit on my throne in heaven and earth. He didn't say it's Dalton's footstool. He said it's my footstool. Now, isn't it interesting something about weight? Do you think there's as much weight sitting in this chair or a weight that's on the footstool? I mean, you don't have to be a mathematical genius to figure out there's less weight on a footstool than a chair. But it does have some of the weight. You see, you can't experience the fullness of the weight of the glory of God. Until you get to heaven. But there's nothing on this earth. That didn't begin in heaven. The glory had to exit heaven. For there even to be glory. God had to speak from his throne. Into nothing. For the earth to be created. So something came out of nothing. But it began in the unseen realm, where? In heaven. Where? From God's throne. where He didn't say his voice is on a footstool in the earth. He said his feet are. The word glory in the Hebrew language means weight, weighty. It means the presence of God and the weightiness, heaviness of God. So when he says his feet are on a footstool in the earth, that means that some of God's weight is on the earth. Some of God's glory is on the earth. But not the majority of it. So If I fail to forget what's behind and I'm in a spin out in my life and I'm looking at what I could end up in, it could be a wall, it could be a divorce, it could be a a die early, it could be bankruptcy, it could be betrayal. That's the weight of the matter. i want to go because I have the power to look and see and God created me to follow where I'm looking. I mean, if you don't believe it, just walk backwards out of here today and go all the way to your car backwards. Get your car, put it in reverse. Don't look backwards, just drive backwards. So here's what I want to challenge you with. 34 people made this decision over the last 14 days at these honors. They made a decision that they were tired of living in this world without the presence of God in their life. Now, no matter how anointed you are, I mean, you could be like Paul, right? And write two-thirds of the New Testament and be beheaded. You could be like Peter and his shadow healed the sick and be crucified upside down. Or it could be worse than those two. I think John the Beloved had it worse than all of them. They tried to kill him every way possible, even put him on the island of Patmos and boiled him, and he still wouldn't die. I mean, being boiled in that pain and would not die. Could not. I'd say if he wanted to. I mean, I'd say he probably wanted to die, but God wouldn't let him die. And so you're going to tell me that, that, that the glory of God and all that is before me and bestowed upon me Is why I'm living in the footstool. See, 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 let me help you. If the glory of God can't be more than a footstool glory, which is a lot, then that means my issues are not eternal issues. They're footstool issues. That means my fears can't rob me of my eternity when I give my life to Christ. They're not heavenly issues. Their footstool issues, their earthly issues, the fears you're dealing with, the, the the condemnation and the guilt and the shame and the pain. You see, he says when he puts it under his blood, he puts it in the sea of forgetfulness. He when he is under his blood, it is finished. It is done. Reproach is not that God doesn't forget. Reproach is that people don't forget. God forgets because it's his gift. He didn't forget because he can't remember. He chose not to remember. So these things you're dealing with in your life, money, relationships, physical. I mean, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, dying is a victory. It's not a failure. There there is nothing that you are breathing, walking, being carried around or whatever in this earth that's not anything except a footstool issue. But you don't understand how bad it is for me. Well, I know how bad it's going to be. Why? Because you tell me, and I know life and death is in your big old tongue. And the more you speak about your big old problems, they just grow and bigger and bigger and bigger. Because you have the power of life and death and you can speak it, boy. You can speak it, girl. Go right on. You could take those problems and just put them on the footstool. And what God, Jesus said, He's coming. The Bible says in Genesis 2 there that what he's going to come and put a bruise on the head of the serpent of Satan. And, and it says that Satan is what? Where's he at? On your shoulders? In your head? He's under your feet. Where do you put your feet? on a footstool God gave you enough authority and power to overcome Satan and all it took is his footstool power but we make our little footstool issues big heavenly eternal issues I mean how big is your problem I mean really how how bad is your life you're here you're not in a dark hole in another country or in a prison you're not on a hospital bed i mean you're here but but you just don't you just don't know what it what what, what, what what it feels like hey honey the bible says you are a spirit you have a soul and live in a body it didn't say you are a feeling i know i mean i know Barry Manilow made hundreds of millions of dollars off of that you younger folks don't even know you you Believe me, you didn't miss nothing. It's not about what you have felt, what you feel, or what you could feel. It's about greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. So really, whatever I'm dealing with, good or bad, don't get too proud over it. It's still a footstool blessing. But the opposite flip side is it's not that bad of a problem it's just a footstool problem it all matters in how you see it and Paul said I'm not looking at the footstool I'm serving in the footstool arena but I'm pressing toward the prize, the mark the high calling of God I'm pressing heaven